0: You might hate yourself now, and I totally understand where you're coming from with that. But your body's giving you a big neon sign that you've been ignoring for all these years. So it's just continuing to flash in your face. But actually, that sign is a really brilliant and beautiful thing.
1: Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hi everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by Sam Barefoot, the digestion detective. Hey Sam, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, lovely. How are you? I am
1: very, very happy, and I'm so excited to talk to you because sometimes I do entirely selfish shows, and this is one of them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We are talking all things digestion, but what we're really going to talk about is bloating, bloating, and bloating. How about that?
0: Mm, I know. It's a pain, isn't it? Literally
1: literally, figuratively, in every sense of the word. And I think that men and women alike are dying to hear some of the gems that you have to share today, Sam. So thanks for joining us.
0: Oh, do you know what? You're welcome. And it's kind of refreshing for me because normally I'm in your seat. I'm the person doing the interview.
1: Today's easy. All the pressure's on me, Sam. All the pressure's on me. So why don't you tell a little bit about who the digestion detective is and why you normally have to worry about being on the other side of the mic, Sam?
0: Yeah, cool. So, um, as a former IBS sufferer, I suffered a lot when my late teens. Um, you know, over the years, I sort of started to learn about nutrition and health and all those kinds of stuff. And um, I eventually trained as a kinesiologist. It was my saving grace. It was my turning point in my life. And I realised, you know, that my digestion wasn't great, and I was a I've got a massive wheat intolerance. I still have it now, although I'm, you know, fully. Fully charged, and I can dip it in and out of it every now and then. Um, so I opened a clinic, you know, about seven years ago, seven eight years ago, and that went really well. But I kind of, I'm always been one of these people that I want more, and I want to be able to do more, and I want to be able to help more. And I thought, do you know what? The only way of doing that is by moving online. And I thought I've got to come up with a name, a little quirky name for myself, that as soon as you hear it, you kind of already know what I do. And hence the Digestion Detective. And and that's how it came about. And then um, a friend of mine, she's a, a podcaster. And she was like, Sam, you've got to do this. You can talk the donkey's hind leg off. You know, <laughs> um, you'd be so great at doing this. Just do it. And then the Digestion Detective Show was born. It's a podcast. And like yourself, Ella, I fell in love. I love it. I absolutely love it. And fortunately for me, after a couple of months of, of doing the show, the guys over at UK Health Radio, which is an online radio show here in the UK, picked it up. And uh, so I now have a huge audience that I talk to week in, week out about all things digestion, health, natural health, everything really. And I'm, I'm hugely grateful for that.
1: So you are a, trained as a specialist in kinesiology, which I know is yeah. the study of the mechanics of body movements, right? It's mus- like yeah, that. it's
0: muscles. Yeah, yeah. So, so different muscle groups are linked to different parts of the body, um, and depending on you know which ones are a bit out of whack, um, it gives me the idea of where I need to start working with that client. But you know, be- because I was always interested in digestion, obviously I'd studied it for myself for many many years before. It, it just kind of all fell into place.
1: So you mentioned that your own suffering from IBS or irritable bowel syndrome led you down the digestion sort of specialty, which in turn gave birth to the digestion detective. Can you yeah. can you share a little bit of your experience as an IBS sufferer so people know what that actually means and what it's like?
0: Yeah. You know what? IBS is just... <laughs> It's just awful. And many people suffer in very many different ways. For me, it was, um, I used to call it the mad dash explosion. And uh, it was the the case of, uh, I'd be just doing whatever I was doing. And then all of a sudden with a click of a finger, um, I had to be in the toilet and I had, um, hence the mad dash. And then once the dash was done, the explosion came. It it happened to me for years. And I was really shy, (laughs) believe it or not, And uh, I never told anybody. I kept it a secret for a long, long time. Until one day that the inevitable happened, that, that I couldn't dash quick enough. And the explosion came and it happened it happened in front of my husband, who knew nothing about it. So yeah, it was pretty traumatic. And uh, he obviously sent me straight off to the doctor. And um, the doctor wasn't all that interested, you know, it was take this pill and go away. And um, I thought, right, okay, I got to try and figure this out for myself. One day, I discovered kinesiology. And that was the massive turning point for me. So yeah, that's kind of how my my cycle came. But but I, once I knew what it was, you know, once I knew what my problem was, it was really quite easy to to fix it.
1: Okay, and you've mentioned that it was in fact a gluten intolerance for you. That's not always the case, I know, but for you that was that was sort of the magic bullet.
0: Yeah, for me, it was the, the wheaty thing. And um, I, I mean, I, I was an insomniac as well, but I, I didn't, obviously back then, I didn't realise that the two were actually connected. And so once I would fixed my digestion, my insomnia just kind of disappeared all on its own. Now, obviously, because I have that experience for myself, it means that I can actually help others and I can say like, actually, you know, you're not sleeping, that's that's to do with your, your digestion probably anyway. So we'll look at your digestion and, and other stuff will fall into place And it mostly does.
1: So I promised everybody that what we would focus on for the most part, though, is the dreaded bloat.
0: The bloat. (laughs)
1: I mean, is this everybody's problem or just me?
0: No, no. Do you know what? You're not alone. And the majority of people, I'd say maybe nine out of ten, come with the bloat. It's something that it can be incredibly uncomfortable. Um, it can be a visual thing as well, which, uh, you know, w- with most people that have digestive issues, you can keep them a secret. You know, you can do. But if your bloating is that bad, you you can look pregnant. Uh, so it can be a very visual thing as well. And you know what people are like, that, you know, people want to look good. And I've had people that are into their fitness, you know, come to me and they're like, look, my six pack is under there, I promise. But there's a keg right now. It's not. You're not alone. Lots and lots, male and female, all ages. Get it.
1: Well, and this, is, and this episode is going to be useful for so many people. And I'll give you a little bit of my story. Hit me with it. I am generally pretty fit. And I can be in the middle of the triathlon season, which means I'm as fit as I'm going to get, Sam. And then I look like I'm four months pregnant. So yep. I have muscle on my arms, muscle on my legs. Everything's where it's supposed to be. And then I look four months pregnant extremely frustrating extremely frustrating so that's one case study another case study is the person who every time they put anything in their belly they might blow it up. There are some people who are putting certain yep. types of foods in their bellies and those are making them blow. A lot of men aren't even paying enough attention to realize this is a, this is an anecdotal comment, but a lot of men aren't <laughs> making the connection. They just know sometimes they feel like, Oh, maybe I ate too much, but their stomachs inflate just like ours do guys. And they're not, they're not a hundred percent certain why. Okay. So I know sometimes it's a food allergy or food yeah. intolerance. And I know there's a lot of other stuff going on. So I just want deep dive into that with you today let's talk about some of the whys what causes bloating
0: yeah yeah okay okay so the simplest form for me to be able to tell you is very simply it usually occurs in the small intestine so for those who don't know where that is on the body if you think it's just under your rib cage okay and i know most people think that that's your stomach it's not just, just below your ribcage is, is where you're going to find just small intestine. And that is pretty much where your bloating is going to occur. It can from time to time go a little bit lower, but most of the time that's where it is. And that's why you look like you're a bit pregnant. Essentially what it is, it's the bacteria in your gut creating the gases because it's eating whatever foods you've put into the system. So depending on on how much bacteria is in there, whether it's good or bad, and what food you have given it depends on how badly you're going to blow. That's the simplest form that I can give it to you in. There are some very, very technical stuff um, that would probably bore the living daylights out of most people. But if you think of it as that, you are feeding an army, and are you feeding that army water daily or are you giving it red bull do you know what i mean it's like are you supercharging it or are you doing what you should be doing and just giving it what it needs rather than overstimulation
1: and you're saying it's typically a bacterial imbalance or am i putting words in your mouth
0: no no it's it's typically a, an imbalance and uh, if you talk to some technical people they'll probably refer to it as sibo so small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Now, in short, what that is is the majority of your bacteria live in your large intestine. So the big bit, the bit on you know further down. And what can happen is some of that bacteria can move up into your small intestine, and it's not supposed to live there. It's it's a lodger. It's like you know you need to evict it. And um, when it goes there, it 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 feeds on the food that you put into it. And it shouldn't do really, because it's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be further down. So it's kind of like you've got some invaders that have set up shop and they just don't need to be there. And because they're in the wrong place, that's what what causes you to bloat.
1: So we need to talk about how that happens and what to do about it.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. So there's many reasons why you're going to get bacteria in your small intestine it can be you can have an operation so something like that so painkillers you know heavy painkillers if you've been um, on the operating table that can cause it it can be that you've had antibiotics It can be something structural. So there's a valve that sits between your small and your large intestine called the ICV, the ileocecal valve. That can get a little bit stuck from time to time. So it's like a door. It's like a swinging door. Imagine the kitchen through to the the, the washroom. Um, Imagine that door is permanently open. So your little lodgers can just freely walk in and out. Um, It can be that your stomach acid is not doing its job correctly. Um, If you think of your stomach acid as a little barrier. So it's there, it's designed to filter out any naughty bacteria. So if it's not doing that correctly, it's going to allow some of them to go down into the small intestine. Uh, There is a huge amount of reasons why it happens. Um, The trick, however, is figuring out that it has happened because it's not easy.
1: And. Figuring out which one of these things is causing it can be a problem. So some of the things that you said were antibiotics, painkillers. I know antibiotics kill the bacteria. That's what they do. And they don't discriminate between good and bad bacteria, do they?
0: Got it. You got it. They don't.
1: So painkillers, antibiotics, you mentioned a structural issue, which might be the case for some, um, yeah. low in stomach acid. And then what about food allergies or food intolerances? Yeah.
0: See, that's the other biggie as well. And um, the majority of people I see have some sort of issue with some sort of food group. And, you know, my analysis of that is very simply put down to the fact that we we tend to consume The same foods day in, day out. So you can imagine, can't you? There's a piece of machinery. It's doing the same job over and over and over again. And eventually it tires and then it breaks. I kind of see it as that is something similar for us. You know, if you're constantly throwing wheat, in my case, down the chute, you know, and you're constantly placing that demand on your body to break that food down, even though it doesn't really like it. It will respond. It will respond in a way of trying to give you some sort of signal or sign that what you're doing is not right for it, and and bloating is one of those signals.
1: Well, I know my listeners, and I know myself, and I think we're all just like ah. Like this is so frustrating because it could be any number of like a dozen different things. So how do we figure out what's what?
0: The the easiest thing, the what when I put you know, if I get a client and they're they're suffering and they're like, I just wanna know, you know, and they you can tell that they're just pulling their hair out. I very simply get them to do a diary. And you know, when I get when I say get you to do a diary, I purposely don't call it a food diary, because I don't want you to just track your food. I want you to track everything that happens to you day to day. So I want to know if you've had a stressful day. I want to know what you've eaten. I want to know what you've drunk. I want to know when you drank it. You know, I want to know how often you open your bowels. Um, I want to know if you exercise that day. You know, I want to know everything about you. And the interesting thing is when people do that, and you've got to do it for at least two weeks, you can't do a week. And when you look at a food diary that has been done, really, really thorough, you'll see it. It'll be like a little flag that's waving at you um, as to what your problem is.
1: Okay. And I confess, this is not the first time that we've been told this by someone who knew what they were talking about in episode nine elizabeth benton told us that the best and almost really only way to know which foods are going to work for us is to actually keep a diary as you're describing and it goes way beyond food doesn't it
0: it does i was doing an interview this morning with someone and uh we were talking about the whole the body being a community it's not individual organs functioning all by themselves we don't work like that that's not how we are um everything about us is connected you can't just look at one area because nine times out of ten it's going to be something else and you'll miss it and that's the thing a lot of people just don't look at the whole picture and then they they'll come back to me and they'll be like well that was rubbish I I didn't get (laughs) anything from that You know, and I'm like, okay. so I'll look at it and I'll be like, right, you didn't put down when you when you drank, what you drank, how often you drank. You didn't put down the days that you go to the gym. And I'm asking you to put that down so that I can see it, that you can see it. And together we can find your pattern because it's there. It's in your life every single day. You've just got to be armed with the right kind of knowledge so that you can see it because you just don't. You'll miss it.
1: Well, and we know by now that some of the things you can do is you can go to your naturopath or go to your practitioner and you can get a blood test, food intolerance yeah. tests, food yeah. allergy testing, that sort of thing. And or they can diagnose this back to antibiotic overuse or yeah. painkillers, etc. But what do you recommend to the person who's just sitting at home or driving in the car right now listening to this who's not going to make that appointment in the next yeah. 3 months how can they make some of how can they be their own detective
0: yeah of course okay so from experience i know that there's there's a few main offenders so you've got the wheat gluten group the next group is the dairies then you've got the yeasts and then you've got the sugars that's pretty much where most of my clients go and the first two get Well over half, well over half. So what I say to people is for those that are really struggling, I would look at cutting these two food groups out for a couple of weeks. So
1: you're talking specifically wheat and dairy? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. So don't do it at the same time. Because if you do that, you're kind of missing the point. So pick one and do it for a couple of weeks. Let your digestion settle. Give it, send it on holiday. Yeah, that's what you got. <laughs> that's what you got to think of. Because um, in two weeks, although it's a relatively short space of time. If you remove something that's an irritant, your body will respond. It may not respond in the complete healing sense and in actual fact that that very rarely happens. But it'll give you a pretty good idea because stuff will change. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for change, always looking for change. So if you take it out and nothing changes, nothing, it's probably not going to be your problem. But if you take it out and you start to notice that, I don't know, maybe you're one of these people that open your bowels like, six to seven times a day okay that's excessive um and maybe that drops down to three or four for me that's a change and that's actually a really good change um so you need to be very aware of you of your your routine you know what you do um and then what will happen is i i say to them right after your two weeks you've been very good you've cut it all out then add a little bit in because your body will be like what what's What's going on? You've just given me a break and now you're asking me to do it all over again. And it will throw a complete wobbler.
1: So you've given, you've cut out, let's pick wheat gluten. You've cut out gluten for two weeks.
0: Yeah. As a minimum, yeah. Okay.
1: So as a minimum, two weeks. And then we don't take out dairy at the same time because that's not going to help you be a detective,
0: right? No, it's not. Yeah. If you take everything out, You're not going to know which one it is, and that's what you're trying to figure out.
1: Okay, so we're in this for the long game. So we give up one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. and then we go back and we have, when you say go back and add a little bit back in, are you suggesting that we go eat an entire pizza, or what (laughs) are you suggesting?
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't suggest you go and eat a pizza, and I know you've used pizza because I use pizza a lot because it's my thing. I love a pizza, but I shouldn't eat it, Um, but something small. So. I don't know, a piece of toast, uh, maybe a, a cake, you know, if you're a cake lover and you really want a cake um, and you've had none, you know, for that, for that period of time, something really small, only add a small piece into one of your meals and don't add it into all three, um, just something small because it'll only take something small to create that reaction. And because you've given your body a really nice rest and a lovely break, it will respond much quicker. And because you mentally has had that break, you'll be more aware to look for it and you'll recognize it quicker.
1: Okay. That makes sense. So we could do that with wheat and then we could do that with dairy and we could make independent observations let's talk about yeast yeast and sugar because I'm not sure people understand what you mean when you say yeast let's start there
0: yeah so so ye- I mean again yeast you're going to find that in a lot of um bready type products um same with beers and some other spreads and there's, there's a, a bit more of a range of yeast and it's a little bit harder for you to find I have to say uh best thing to do is always read the label that's one of my big things um but yeast is the same so if you know that you're kind of a yeasty sort of person Um, same principle applies. Um, and sugar, I mean, sugar is the devil. It is the devil in my house and it it should be the devil in every house. But sugar is, again, it's one of those things. Sugar will feed your bacteria quick as you like. Literally. It's like giving protein shakes to a bodybuilder. Okay. That's what it's like. Your digestive system hates sugar. It just hates it it you know it feeds all the bacteria the bacteria literally go crazy and you're just going to blow and every you know everything is just going to tumble and tumble and tumble and it's it's just not going to do you good and it can just be that you've got too much sugar going on in your diet you know not necessarily an intolerance just that you've got way too much going on in there
1: So when you talked about yeast, you said obviously like bread yeast in the way we traditionally think of it. But you you mentioned beer also. Yeah, yeah. And other fermented alcohols. Um,
0: Yeah, so alcohol is a biggie actually when it comes to the old yeast So if you've got a bit too much bacteria going on, you've got a little bit too much SIBO in there, um, by you throwing in some extra yeast, some extra bugs, you're just kind of making matters worse. So once you've sort of balanced your system, actually a lot of my yeasty clients end up being able to have the occasional treat without too much trouble.
1: Okay, good. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. Cuz I know if you have a gluten intolerance, just yeah. st- straight up gluten intolerance, most people can't go back to eating gluten. But yeah. ye- yeast, dairy and sugar, if you can heal yourself, you you can create like a little tolerance for them in in slight in moderation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In moderation. I mean, the gluten thing you've, you've got two. I think people get confused with the whole gluten thing as well. You've got an intolerance and you've got an allergy. Okay, so an allergy is someone like a celiac, uh, where it's an actual uh, immune function problem. Um, right. and, and the body kind of turns on itself and it eats itself. Um, that's major. And you cannot ever, ever, touch it again but with an intolerance you can build you can rebuild your digestion back up and only when you are top of your game you know that you could have some but you've got to be mindful of it really really mindful of it so for me i love a pizza i do but i know that i can only have one maybe once a month it's got to be great quality i've got to throw down my neck some food enzymes to help me break it down and i've got got to have it without a glass of wine because my stomach just cannot deal with the amount of gluten, and the sugar from the wine all at the same time.
1: Okay. All right. So those are some important distinctions. And then sugar, I did not mean to blow past sugar because honestly, (laughs) that is a huge trigger for so many people and we don't even realize it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? But the thing is, it's, it's in everything. Same as wheat. Wheat is in everything. And I think that's why there's so many people that genuinely have a problem with it.
1: You know, I'm on a journey of discovery myself. And when I actually started reading labels and saw that sugar is added, I mean, sugar's added to beef jerky, ketchup, um, salad dressings are notorious for that. But think food that comes in a box, it's going to have gluten, soy or sugar added to it in almost in so many cases.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let's,
1: let's touch on soy because I've never explained to the audience why soy can be quite harmful to the gut. Are you okay walking people through that?
0: Um, the, the thing with soy is it's got to be clean. There's a lot of soy out there that can be so heavily toxic from all the chemicals that they've used to actually strip the bean and all that sort of stuff that actually you know you're you're basically drinking something that can be quite highly chemical and i know as well that soy has the, the not so great the not so clean version of it it can play a bit of havoc on your hormones as well and i think what people don't realize is a lot of your hormones are actually manufactured in your gut so you know if, if you're thinking about switching to soy and there is a very split market on this there's a lot of people out there that, that are pro soy there's a lot of people out there that are just like no i'm not you know i'm not having it but it, for me it's it, it can destroy part of the gut lining uh, and the brush, brushboard uh, enzymes is, is probably where that happens, which in turn just creates that whole big cycle of, you know, digestion struggling to do what it's hoping to do. do you,
1: how do you feel about almond milk and coconut milk as options?
0: Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love them both, you know, and I sort of say to people, if, you, if you're going to be switching from a dairy or, you know, product to something else. My preference is to go to an almond or a coconut milk, and you can make these things for yourself actually, and it's really quite easy. Sure. But they're better options for me. Always go for unsweetened because otherwise you're just drinking sugar.
1: Yeah, very important distinction. And yeah, we we switched to almond milk here. We were dairy, 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 and we switched yeah. to almond milk here. And my son's allergies cleared up, and yeah. so on and so forth. But I, because th- he does not like the unsweetened kind, right. I and he has a very very clean diet. What I do is I buy the sweet kind and I buy the unsweetened kind and then I, I do. I half and yeah. half it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, dairy is not necessarily the enemy. It is if you have a problem with it. And, and, and I want to make that distinction because actually some dairy can be really great for you. You know, keep it clean, keep it organic, keep it the best water quality you can buy if you can tolerate it. But if you can't, then you've got to find those alternatives that's going to help you to fill out your diet. Let's
1: go down that rabbit hole for just a moment. He actually, my son that I'm referring to, had had allergy problems, like seasonal allergies. And so the milk, because it's mucus creating, yeah. was a real problem for him, even when it was organic. We stay away from it now just because so much of it is produced so poorly.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I just don't trust the sources. But some people have access to raw milk, and that's very good for them. Um, Or Greek yogurt can be quite good for
0: you as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then cottage cheese. Is that dairy, Sam? Is cottage cheese?
0: Yes, I would put it in that category. I would, yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So thank you for sharing some of those main triggers. Let's talk about what people can do if they have played their own detective or been able to get in front of a digestion detective like (laughs) Sam barefoot or their local practitioner what can they do what it, what typically happens next once you figure out what's actually plaguing you
0: okay so once you figure out what your thing is it's about making sure that you avoid whatever it is that's the problem what i encourage people to do is just because you're wheat intolerant doesn't mean that you should go and buy a wheat free bread it means that you probably shouldn't eat bread full stop so you've got to learn to eat differently. The food that is available for us today, we are so lucky, so incredibly lucky. The range is fantastic. It just means that you've got to re-educate yourself on some of the things out there that, that's just going to fill the gap. And I think that's where the challenge is for most people. Well,
1: and it's not, it seems so hard, but, there, but mm. obviously the, the change is the hard part, isn't it? Yeah, the
0: change is the hard part. And once you get your head around it, and, you know, your cupboard becomes a bit different. There's a few different things in there that you've never seen before. And, you know, and you get used to eating differently and being a little bit more prepared because that's that's the main thing that people really stumble on. They're just not prepared, you know, and it becomes second nature. And do you know what almost happens every time? They'll start it off. They'll do it for, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a month, maybe. And then something will happen in their routine. Something happens in the sense of they go back to their old ways. And because they've got this lovely break, their digestive system's like, hell no, what are you doing? No, 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 I'm going to punish you now. And because you haven't felt those discomfort, you know, for a while, it's like, oh, my God, I never remember it feeling this bad, you know. And then they remember that, okay, I shouldn't be eating that. That's why I feel so bad. And in a sense, I kind of like it when the body does that, they fall off the wagon, their body kicks their butt for it. And they realize that what they've been doing for all these weeks or months actually had some benefit. And that usually means that they go on long term and do it for, you know, do it for the rest of their life.
1: How hard was it for you? What was the hardest part for you when you cleaned up your diet and your pantry and moved from a life of explosive IBS to mm. something much more
0: normal? It, it really was the bread and the pasta. And I just thought, what on earth am I supposed to eat? What am I supposed to eat? <laughs> you know, it was awful. And you know, even now, I still love fresh bread from the bakers, you know, but I just can't have it very often, you know, and, and I have to look after myself a lot better. So when people sort of say, but what am I supposed to have? I can really feel their pain because I know that it's going to be such a change. But for me, you know, my health is so much better, so much better now than it ever has been. And I know that's just because I've cleaned up my digestion to a point that I can be a bit naughty from time to time. And my body will tell me very, very quickly if I've gone too far. And my hope is that people that are in a similar situation, they can learn and understand what their body's doing and what it's telling them. And they'll know when they've gone a little bit too far, but they can push it from time to time. And there's no harm in that. You know, we're human beings, but persistence, honestly, it'll pay you back tenfold in so many ways.
1: Right you just um you just change your why right your motivation so where you might have been motivated by the bread before mm. and the deliciousness you have a different focus and a different motivation where you are trying to practice feeling great and looking yeah. great and not having your bowels explode in public yeah. and that that's yeah. a different motivation isn't it Yeah <laughs> it is
0: it's, it it is it's a mindset change you know and digestion very much is about your mind. You can control a lot of what happens to you with the way that you think. And um, certainly with a lot of people I see, part of the thing that I have to go through with them is is they learn to hate themselves because of the awful effects of what they're going through. Um, And I have to sort of teach them and I have to show them the path that you might hate yourself now and I totally understand where you're coming from with that because I was the same. But you need to look at it as your body's giving you a big neon sign that you've been ignoring for all these years. So it's just continuing to flash in your face and making you really grumpy. But actually, that sign is a really brilliant and beautiful thing, because eventually it will become your best friend. And just by listening to it, or knowing when it's about to flash.
1: That's really, really important. And something very powerful that you just said, Sam, Mm. is your mindset has everything to do with how your body even, these are in my own words, but how your body even metabolizes that food.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's the whole brain-gut connection. We are big one unity inside there, you know, and you've got to learn to love who you are and love everything about you because your body constantly gives you signs and signals all day long and it's down to you whether you're going to hear them or not or recognize them or not. And like I say, eventually you'll be able to figure out the good days from the bad days before they even happen because you'll be prepared. And that's a really wonderful place to be. All
1: right. That's well said. Can you suggest two or three quick tips for just not creating bloating just in general?
0: Okay, so two really simple ones, and it's not going to cost you a single thing, is make sure you chew your food. I don't want chomp, chomp, swallow. I want chomp, 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 swallow. Because it's your teeth, your saliva, it's designed to do a job. Please allow it to do that. And that will help huge if you chew for the correct amount of time that you should. It gives that connection from the stomach to the brain that you're fuller so you're not going to eat as much okay so you you could lose a couple of pounds which is good so chew you must chew your food the second one is one that almost everybody that i come across does and that is that they drink at the same time that they eat and you're probably thinking what but seriously if you're struggling with bloating you've chomped, chomped 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 and you've swallowed But at the same time, you've washed it back with a big old glass of water. Now, all you've just done there is wash food into the stomach, diluted the enzymes that's now, you know, all over the food. But you've also diluted your stomach acid, which is just making the work 10 times harder. So two really, really simple ones. Make sure you chew your food before you swallow. And do not drink and eat at the same time. You can have a sip. You can cleanse the palate. But if you want some water, 20 to 30 minutes before and after food is the ideal range that you need to be aiming for. If you're out and you've got a glass of wine, that's a little bit different. Just don't overindulge. But just think big water drinkers out there, big liquid. Just don't gulp it back because it really, really hinders. And you know what? a lot of the people come back straight away within a few days and they're like, I stopped doing that. And actually, I don't feel so bloated after my like straight away after eating. So it's a real winner. And it's so simple for you to do.
1: Very good. Okay, thank you, Sam. So let me ask you two questions. Do you have one habit that you would like us all to try for one week?
0: Yes, I do. And it's one of my quirky ones and I love it. Now, for those of you that struggle with going to the number two, So you could be constipated, you could suffer with hemorrhoids. Um, What you need to do is, when you're on the toilet, lift the knees above the hips. So think knees above hips, okay? Now, how you do that, and I know you're probably thinking, how do I do that? For me, I, I use my bin, my bathroom bin, so I just pop my feet on top of the bin. And what that does is it just takes the pressure off that last little phase of the colon. And it's how we should be pooping people, (laughs) it's how you should poop. Whoever invented the toilet did us a disservice because it's not how we're designed to do what we do. We should be squatting when we are pooping.
1: Some cultures do that. They They still do. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they still do. It's just the Western world decided it was more civilized to sit in a position that's actually makes it much harder, doesn't it, to evacuate?
0: (laughs) Yes. So try it. Try it for one week. If you're one of those strugglers, And give it a try. You just literally need to get those knees above your hips.
1: Okay, there's a lot of science to back you up, my dear. All right, let's talk about one resource everyone could try, something that you love and want to recommend.
0: Yeah, so if I'm going to get you on this whole mission, do it for a week. If you love it, then you've got to go to the Squatty Potty.
1: The squatty potty. I'm a huge fan of the squatty (laughs) potty. The squatty potty has taken over my house. My husband is like, what on earth is that? Tell everybody what that is. I love it.
0: Because they're, they're perfectly designed to lift, to do exactly what I've just said. So they sit perfectly under the toilet and they're just perfect for you to lift your feet up. So you're kind of just still in that position, you know, and your knees are definitely above those hips. And it's job done, you know, it's, that's what they're designed to do. And you can get them, you can get them in different colors. You can get plastic ones, you can get wooden ones, you know, so there's a whole range. You can really style it out in the toilet now.
1: (laughs) Okay, I bought, like, I went on some sort of squatty potty buying bin. I'm not sure what happened. (laughs) Sam, that's great. Thank you very much for those tips. I bet people weren't expecting that. I hope so. Mission accomplished, Sam. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you because I know they're going to want more.
0: Yeah, it's cool. So um, thedigestiondetective.com is the website. Um, I have Facebook. I'm most prolific on Twitter. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm kind of everywhere. And I'm really happy to talk to anybody. And of course, I have the Digestion Detective show, which you can find on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So um, you can get me pretty much in any way that you want to.
1: (laughs) Sam, thank you so much for being a guest today. Really, really helpful
0: oh it, you know it's been a pleasure it's been such good fun and I love doing stuff like this so thank you for the invite
1: okay everyone I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use if you did and you want to learn more just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered